lessons to you find my computer. Yeah, try to airdrop it. Is your airdrop on? Yeah. Bam. I got it. Oniqua. 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 We live broadcasting from Life Touch Massage. Somebody excited to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're broadcasting from our sponsor, Life Touch Massage, where relief is only a touch away. You can catch us at 1223 2nd Avenue South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35233 in the University Park District. If you want to go to the website, lifetouchal.com. Give us a call, 205-718-5144. Thank you for that sponsorship, yes. Lamar. Remember, with Life Touch Massage, relief, relief is only a touch away. away. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are recording our podcast live. Um, Tuesdays is our typical night for recording a podcast. And we're about to get started. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach these everyday professionals how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. Lamar story. Thank you and welcome uh, for joining us. Hey Nicole, how you welcome doing? What's up, family? <laughs> welcome for joining us. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Living the Stress Life po podcast, and we are on what episode? Episode eleven. I think we on episode eleven. We got I thought one we was on episode twelve last time. No. Hey. Mm -mm. So she we are up. getting ready to wrap up season two of living the stress life podcast and we decided we're going to start going live when we record our podcast that happened um about five minutes ago when lamar came in with his ipad and i was like yeah we're gonna start recording live <laughs> um, one of the reasons we want to record live on facebook also is because we have a lot of our followers had gotten a little confused they thought we weren't recording the podcast anymore but they were referring to the facebook live as the podcast we actually have a podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher called Living the Stressed Life uh, with Edie. And you'll see a beautiful picture of myself. With Edie on the end of stress. Edie on the end of stress. You'll see a beautiful picture of myself. Oh, and Tiffany. She's on there, too. She's. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's called Living the Stressed Life. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to our podcast. We will really appreciate that. And we're going to start doing Facebook Live, too, because we want to communicate with you. Um, some of the topics that we have, we get a lot of feedback, and it'll be nice to have instant feedback. So we can address your questions right then and there. I think it'll just make it a little bit more interesting. It'll make the podcast more interesting. Yeah. And we can have a little bit more fun with this. And more dialogue. So for those of you who are sitting at home, um, tuning in, appreciate it. Cools. So what are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about barriers to effective communication in marriage. Mm. And uh, one of the reasons we chose this topic is because pretty much we're going through it. Mm. You know, our podcast is about living through the stressors in life. And right now, uh, we're each other's stressor <laughs> in life right now. So um, this is helpful for us. Pretty much. And hopefully it'll be helpful for you. But we're trying to uh, actually figure out what is the barrier in our communication right now. Uh, we're we're typically really good communicators with each other, uh, but I think <laughs> I think different phases of the moon affects us differently. And then uh, sometimes a wolf or a vampire or something comes out in each one of us, and then there's like a lot of fighting, and then everything is kosher, and then. It happens again. It's like a cycle. So right now, <laughs> okay. You know, my wife is a werewolf right now. So I'm the only wolf. Go figure. <laughs> Blame it on a black woman. <laughs> so 
I think for me, it's important to really focus on getting past the barriers in your communication in your marriage because a lot of times people think that um, big things such as infidelity or money issues um, or gambling or addictions are the only things that tear up marriage. But, right. you know, if you've ever heard this saying that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine, a lot of times there can be something that's little, that's a big, big problem, <laughs> big, big problem in your relationship. And I think for us, the number one barrier in our relationship is our inability to understand each other at various times. There are times where communication goes really well with us and we seem to understand each other we seem to be thinking the same thing at the same time like sometimes we can finish each other's thoughts mm -hmm. um but there are other times where um when we are getting ready to answer a question like which way should we turn to get to this store at the same time, I'm saying right, he's saying left, and both of us believe we are truly right. Yeah, and um, she don't know her right from left. Go figure. Anyway, <laughs> um, the point that I'm trying to make is... See, like, typically when she have... would laugh at that, it ain't funny right now. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so, there are just times where we're just not on the same page. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier when I was riding over... To meet Lamar to do the podcast, that he comes up with this. Um, you thought about turning around? <laughs> well, no. He comes up with this saying um, that he that Steve Harvey told him. Oh, never mind. That Steve Harvey told him he could either be right or he can be happy. And so that bothers me because what to to me what it says is that. There are times where you're sure of yourself that you're right. And for the sake of keeping peace, you still you still on this recording. Lamar. For the sake of keeping peace, you allow the other person to feel like they're right, even though you know they're wrong. And so I don't really like that saying because it insinuates that you know that you're right. Right? And so I was thinking about how much that annoyed me or bothered me that he's adopted this saying that Steve Harvey has, like Steve Harvey has gone to school to be some expert in... So now you want to dog Steve Harvey? No, I'm just saying. My thing is, when people come up and they start being life coaches and giving advice, like people call Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club. Oh, so now you dog on Angela Yee. I'm not dogging Angela Yee, but when did be becoming a, a radio host makes her all-knowing? I, I understand that it's really um, appealing to, you know, what's them, like them columns that people used to write into and ask for, like, love advice and things like that. But then I th just think about sometimes after you, how you have to be careful about where you get your advice from and what makes somebody qualified to give you advice. Like, we wouldn't go to a gynecologist to clean our teeth, right? We wouldn't go to the dentist if we have an issue with our foot. But... If you were a crackhead, would you go to a recovering crackhead for advice? Yeah, because they have experience. They experience, exactly. So sometimes you, people who may not actually have a degree or initials behind their name have experience. So they're able to impart wisdom into you, which you know nothing about. So someone who's been married for a number of years can sometimes impart wisdom into a young married couple. And say, you know what? Sometimes it's better to be happy than to be right. But this is my thing. People will call. So Angela I appreciate Yee. Steve Harvey for that because. I, and I appreciate it has, him. It has brought me to a place where he thinks he peace. always right. No, I give you the opportunity to find out through your self evaluation that you're right. That I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he skipped to the end. But of uh, but I'm not always right though because it's like. You know, just like 90% of the time. But. Anyway, but people will call Angela Yee for things like they baby daddy. And to my rec uh, recollection, Angela Yee don't even have any children. So calling on getting advice on how to deal with your baby daddy issues or baby mama, baby daddy but you're going to get off Angela Yee, though. I'm, 
I'm not dogging Angela Yee. I think Angela Yee actually gives some very sound advice. I'm not saying that she's off kilter with her advice. I'm just saying that sometimes we seek advice or help from people who may have some life experience, but they don't necessarily make them the best person to seek advice from. And so that's what annoys me about this little saying that you've adopted from Steve Harvey. Because I didn't even know he was annoyed by it. Yeah, it annoys me. It annoys me because... Just like me, when I say this ain't my love language, and you be like, oh, I don't believe in that love language stuff. I believe in it. Since when? It had to, it had to grow on me. Anyway, that's what he used to say. That see, he didn't how believe. I, see how I can admit that? But what annoys me about the saying is that I, I also believe there are times where he, adopt that say, he adopts that saying or he'll say it out loud because he truly believes he's right. and Not all the time. No, I don't say all the time. Yeah. I just say sometimes. I say sometimes you, you'll say that. The only time I say it is when people ask me what kind of advice to to give them in marriage, and I always tell them about what Steve Harvey said mm-hmm. because, you know, it works and it helps. All right, let's get into this topic because we've been talking for about ten minutes. All right, so we're going to talk about eight barriers to effective communication in marriage, and from from what you've seen already, um, this article will hopefully help us. <laughs> You ready to get into this? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So thanks for everybody who's tuning in. We are recording with new mic, so if you hear me hit my chest a couple times, I have on a lapel mic. Um, say it with your chest. Saying it with my chest. So today's topic is eight barriers to effective communication in marriage, and so we're gonna jump right into it. Um, because we kind of went on a little tangent in the beginning. So let's talk about the one of the first barriers to healthy communication. Um, scroll back up for me so I can be on the same page. This is one. Okay. Choose a, t- choose a timing that is not conducive to a healthy communication. So this is something that contributes to poor communication. Choosing bad timing. So this kind of, it brought, <laughs> it's so funny because... This brought back memories of when, I don't know if we was married or just right before we was married, mm-hmm. but it was like New Year's and they had a Ford Focus and we was coming home from a New Year's celebration from the church and I got hit by a car, right? And I was trying to avoid this car because we seen this car speeding up behind us like crazy. So I tried to turn um, and get into the next lane, but the car decided to get into the next lane. I'm sorry. What? Is not recording at all. Uh, hold on, let me let me go back. It was like playing. It's recording. It's not recording right. I'm sorry. There's something going on. We're having technical difficulties, guys. Alright, just continue. So the car decided to get into the next lane. So the car decided to get into the next lane. At the same time I did, I got hit. So, it was Tiffany out in the car. At this moment in time, Tiffany decided to talk about how I should have not let my insurance lapse. (laughs) (laughs) Did I? Yes. I remember that like yesterday. This was like, it had to be more than what, 15 years? 14 years ago. I might have been pregnant. At the time with Jaden, so. And um, <laughs> it was so funny because I just got hit. And then she comes talking about, I told you you should have paid that issue, that car insurance. <laughs> Did you pay your car insurance? I'm like, really? <laughs> really? This is bad timing. And this is about to lead to some very poor communication. <laughs> but that's a good example of when not to communicate about certain things. You're so shady. <laughs> what say you? I think I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's also about um I was reading an article and it was talking about different barriers and it gave the example example of a perceptual barrier of how the reason why people have problems communicating is that they see the world differently. Um, but gen- a gender barrier is also in play at, at timing, too. 
because a gender barrier, a gender barrier, because women and men think very differently. Um, one of the articles that I was reading earlier, it says that women use on a daily basis, use about 22,000 to 25,000 words a day. I believe that (laughs) compared to men, which use anywhere from 7,000 to 10,000. So we use almost anywhere from two to three times more words than than men do. But I also read another article that really talked about how the reason why communication can be a challenge between women and men is that we use different parts of our brains. When men communicate, they use... The logical a, side. They use a, the left side of their brain, but they don't use any specific area. That's what it said. The article said that basically, when men communicate, they communicate with the left side of their brain, and they I communicate. Wonder, is that the most logical side of the brain? Is like yes, like, it, they communicate in a very logical, mm-hmm. straightforward way, right? Mm-hmm. But when women communicate, they actually use both sides of their brain. Where they oh, actually, smart, smart. where they actually combine logic and emotion, um, but that causes us to use more words because we're and we use very specific parts of the brain. So you guys don't use any specific part; you just use the left side of your brain. So you you use you communicate in a very logical way. Oh, I understand. And let me give y'all an example to break that down. Okay. So you're driving and you get a flat, right? So, logically, the man is going to be like, oh, man, snap, I need to change this tire. Mm-hmm. Whereas, a woman is probably going to say, yeah, I need to change this tire. But, they're going to use the emotional side, too. Like, didn't I tell you we needed tires like two weeks ago? I could have sworn I told you you needed tires two weeks ago. <laughs> now, you got, you got to change the tire in the middle of the night and it's hot outside. Yeah, but I think another example of that could be us thinking about all right, I need to change the tire, but I'm also on a busy highway. This will be the be- what's the best strategy? For yeah, me that's to probably the man saying that. Yeah, baby, that's logic, but it's also emotion because you got to think about you know I'm afraid of getting hit. Like you start mm-hmm. thinking about all these other scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. I think emotions is tied to that. But the example you gave is also a good example because we as women do that, but scientifically. Women use both parts of their brain, which I'm not saying that necessarily makes us smarter, but it just says that... I believe women are smarter. I believe women are smarter, too. And I'm going to say that because, you know, just being married for, what, 14 years? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mistakes that I could have avoided if I was just simply listening. And, um, And sometimes I'm like, I don't listen because um, just didn't. But, uh, but, to get, but if I would have listened and just, you know, because sometimes my wife would be right about something and had, have no previous knowledge about the subject. And so in my logical head, I'm thinking, like, how could she possibly be right? She don't even know about this. And then she ended up being right. You know what I'm saying? So That's I'm my like, first time hearing this. So we have this on camera and we have this on audio. Aren't you proud of me? You mess with me. No, because you're going to mess up my microphone. <laughs> Cold hearted, bro. I swear to God. I'll catch you. I don't want to <laughs> But to get back no. to the point of bad timing, I think that that's why sometimes timing can be bad for women when we bring up things because we don't think from just one side of our brain. We think from both lo- a logical side and an emotional side. Mm-hmm. Barrier two. Another barrier, the second barrier, is being judgmental will impede communication. Give us an example of that. Being judgmental? Yes. Um, if somebody says something like that, well, that was a stupid idea. Well, that wasn't smart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a statement of judgment when responding to someone. Instead of saying, what were you thinking? Right, right. Or what was your train of thought, you know, when you made this decision? Help me understand, you know, 
your line of thinking will say something like, well, that was stupid. You know, that's a judgment. And I think that's thing. very harsh. Like, my wife and I wouldn't say that to each other, but there's a look sometimes that says the same thing. And sometimes in marriage, you have to be careful about that because she may think that that was stupid. Like, I might make do something and she'll look at me like that. You know what I'm saying? And she might do, I might do something. Like, I'm not a handyman. But she forces me to be, like at home, right? I so yes, you do, like with a gun and everything. But uh, <laughs> I was just kidding. But uh, I'm not a handyman. But you know, I don't put some new countertop. You know, took down cabinets and everything. But I don't. You know, that's not my forte. And one of the reasons that what I've learned throughout our marriage is sometimes I don't want to do some of these things because if I make a mistake. And something that I already didn't want to do, she gonna be looking at me like, and she don't have to say that was stupid, <laughs> but she'd be like. But Lamar has a look too, and the look is when I'm telling him something, he just keep making his little quick eye gesture to the side like. And when I'm saying something to him, like he asked me, like, yeah, just like that where I been or what did I do he makes his little eye, quick eye movement to the side and it's called eye language because he's not the only person that does it I've literally been in a room with him his mama his sister and his sister's daughter and something can be going on and all of them take that quick little gesture that little eye movement to the side they don't ever exchange words, but afterwards, all of them had the same sentiment. All of them had the same feeling. And I'm like, y'all communicating with words, I mean, without words, using our language. Yeah. And so what I learned in our relationship is when I'm saying something to him, if he doesn't believe me or if he want me to shut up or I'm telling you, this I, this I gesture communicates multiple things. And it's so funny because it has no words. It has no verbal communication. But it can mean you lying. It can mean shut the hell up. It can mean, Ooh. okay, so that really happened. Like, it just means so many things. And you have to know the players that use this eye language in order to know what's really going on. And that, to me, is a form of judgment. And I remember early in our marriage... When he would ask me something, like ask me a question like where have I been or something to that effect, mm -hmm. that um, when I would be talking, he would make these little eye gestures to the side. And I felt like a kid that had was being asked if I ate something, like did I eat, the, eat all the cookies when I told you not to eat all the cookies. Like it would make me feel anxious because I'm like, why he like scrutinizing what I'm saying like I'm lying or something. Because he had to eat all the cookies. Whatever. So being judgmental can be a huge barrier in communication. And judgment does not have to just, passing judgment does not have to be just verbal. It can be nonverbal. It can mm -hmm. be look. It can be body posture. You know, one of the things that we as women do, we snatch our head or roll our head or we make certain body gestures and that passes just sometimes can convey that we're passing judgment and we don't intend to. Now go on to mm -hmm. So third barrier is constant expression of negative feelings. So the whole purpose of communication is to actually come together and agree on something, right? And sometimes, depending on what the conversation is about, People can get so caught up in their immediate feelings about whatever the subject is, and if those feelings are negative, that's what keeps getting expressed over and over again. So there's never an agreement. There's never a real conversation. There's no real communication because those negative feelings keep being expressed over and over again. Yeah, and I think that's where we talk about emotional barriers. Um, that's where emotional barriers can really come into play. Like, if we feel a way when we communicate with others, because we hey Teresa, because we feel a way, mm -hmm. um, the way we feel becomes a barrier in us being able to effectively communicate. Um, and it's it's mainly things such as fear, mistrust, um, 
Come into the camera a little bit. Fear, mistrust, suspicion, going back to Lamar's little eye movements, right? His little judge, judgy eyes, right? His little beady eyes. <laughs> <laughs> those, those. Oh, num- this is good. That, Can I let me read this? Well, hold on. Let me okay, fix my The nonverbal communication in that moment can convey something, right? It can convey how you really feel, which is is which is a form of or an expression of negativity. Go ahead. So it says when a spouse constantly expresses negative feelings, it builds a spirit of fear on the other partner, which further suppresses the freedom of expression. So sometimes those negative feelings that keep coming about, um, the other partner is afraid to fully and truthfully communicate how they how they feel because did your battery die or something? Um, express how they feel because the partner um, keeps expressing these negative feelings. So that impedes communication mm-hmm. in marriage, um, and when that type of uh, negativity. You know, I'm all about energy. So when I deal with in the massage realm, when I dealing with people all the time, sometimes it's hard when somebody comes in with Well, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client come in a couple of weeks ago, a new client, and she was negative from the moment she got out of her car. And at first I didn't understand that she had been negative with everybody before she got to me. Um, when she laid on the table, I knew that this was not going to be a good experience. I tried my best to do everything I could possibly to break the barrier of negative energy, and I could not. Um, so needless to say, the massage was a disaster. Um, she didn't say that, but I just knew it was. Um, I couldn't break the negative energy in the room, and honestly, I couldn't wait for her to leave. Um, hey. And I, I honestly could not wait for her to leave. And sometimes you can have the same thing in marriage. So a particular type of conversation will bring about that same type of energy. And you cannot wait for that conversation to be over. You won't even express yourself within that conversation because it's just going to keep fueling the negativity. I think that, I think that happens a lot in um, our interactions. I recognize with my type of personality, I'm one of those people who I'm always thinking about what makes things the most efficient, the most effective, the most streamlined, quickest processes, right? And sometimes when I'm talking to Lamar, I have a tendency before I acknowledge the positive to just simply say what I think I need. To just simply say what I think is not working. In that moment when I'm communicating with him, I'm not really focused on these are the things you're doing right. And what I realize is there's a huge, um, there's a huge difference in the way I communicate at home and the way I communicate in the workplace. And I'm like, this is what's frustrating me. This is what I need. I'm aware you've done this, but, and so what I found is that a lot of times he will shut down in our communication because I'm not thinking from a place like I should treat him like I treat my employee. My thing is, you know, you my husband, let's cut past all the constructive feedback. I I feel like I do my job in acknowledging what I think you do right. When I say thank you, this is what I need from you right now. This is what's not working for me. And what happens a lot of times in our communication is that he was just kind of completely shut down because he doesn't hear the positive or constructive feedback before he hears you are doing these things right, but these are the areas where I still think we need improvement. And when I was thinking mm-hmm. about it today, um, you know, just thinking about what we were going to do in terms of the podcast and, you know, what we were going to focus on, I was thinking about how I'm able to do that with my staff. Like, these are the things that you guys are doing well. I so appreciate you. You know, you're killing this. You know, you're always able to pick up the slack here. And then I say, but these are the areas that I think we need to improve in. It's hard for, you know, it's hard for me to do that when it comes to him. So, 
I think when we talk about barriers and um, and when we focus on constant expression of negative feelings, that's a huge barrier in our relationship is that I'm not able to be congruent between work and home and the way that I convey what's working and the way I convey what I need in the relationship. <clears throat> Another barrier to communication is making assumptions um, in communication. So making assumptions is fatal. And this is hap this happens a lot. And I see this I see couples talk about this all, all the time. When you start a conversation, the other person assumes what you're gonna say. Right? Or they'll finish your sentence, your thought before you even finish. And you're assuming something that may uh may not be the way that they feel. And I believe that comes from experience. That comes from a place of, you know, I we had this conversation before. We had this conversation before. People and <laughs> it's, it comes from we had this conversation before, so I, I'm going to finish a sentence. But what you don't realize is that sometimes in your previous conversation, that person may have thought about the conversation. Their feelings may have changed. Since although Since that past conversation. So now what you thought I was going to say, I actually have changed. That I might even, I may have, I may even agree with you now. That happens a lot in so our conversation. So it's it's very vital to completely to practice active listening when you're um, communicating with your spouse. Um, practice active listening. Listen to them without interruption. Um, even though you think you might, especially we've been married fourteen years, so sometimes I'm like I already know how she feels. So she's going to say the same thing she always say. I might get surprised. So it's important for me to actively listen. And um, But sometimes when you're in, that's why it goes back to you have to pick the right timing for communication. Because when you're in the heat of any argument, that's not the right time. It's not. People's feelings are going to get hurt. I don't understand you're gonna, that again. When you're in the heat of whatever it is that you want to talk about, mm -hmm. when you're in the midst of it, Everybody's emotions are riled up. The energy is high. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that that is the right and the proper time to have a conducive um, conversation with a solution. That conversation is going to be more of yelling and arguing. Okay. I think that's important for adults to practice time out. You know what I'm saying? You're angry. I'm angry. Let's come back to this. You know what I'm saying? Because right now, see, Tiffany wants me to answer things right now. Like, if she answer a question, if she asks a question, she wants me to answer the question as soon as she, the, the last word leaves her mouth. <laughs> and then if I don't answer the question, she's like, uh, what, what you, you ain't got nothing to say? I'm like, let me think. Because if I just speak, as soon as you finish, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Because I'm speaking from an emotional state. So I had to process this whole situation. Mm -hmm. And you're still practicing the, the 15,000 words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when all those words come out, I'm listening and I'm, I'm taking it in. I'm listening and I'm taking it in. He and it's like, and it's like when, I, when I snap, I snap because there's too many words being thrown at me at one time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I need to process this stuff. You said that already. Why are you saying the seven times? You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, I heard you the first time. Let me process that first. So, going back to, don't assume what your partner going to say. Don't assume what your spouse is going to say. Just listen, practice active listening, and then go from there. And then be respectful, too. If you say, hey, can we come back? Don't say, no, I want to talk about this right now. That's not helpful. That's not going to produce um, effective communication at all. If you, you have to respect the other spouse's wishes. You can't avoid the conversation. The conversation has to take place. But that may not be the perfect timing for that conversation. What's your thoughts about it, ma'am? I agree. That's it. Yeah. 
Let's go to the next. So another barrier to communication is the use of you statements rather than I statements. So I want to jump in here. I teach this a lot in therapy about communicating without triggering people to become defensive. However, when I am talking to my husband because of she me, me different. yeah, because of me getting emotional about whatever it is I'm trying to address with him, a lot of times I forget to use I statements. Sometimes I might start off well, but the moment he says something that is a trigger for me, it's like abort mission, jump ship. And I think what the issue is for me is like with I'm one of those people if you don't if you don't mean anything to me, if I don't have any any type of um interpersonal well I won't even say interpersonal intimate relationship with you and I see intimate relationship is not just my partner it could be my child it could be a best friend if I don't have any type of deep meaningful relationship with you your opinion of me or or your perception of me don't have doesn't have much bearing on how I I see myself in the world right but the moment I have some type of emotional tie to you or emotional or intimate, deep connection to you, it really impacts my, my judgment. It really impacts, I think, my perception of self. And so when it comes to Lamar, I think when we're having conversations or when we're discussing things that ultimately lead to conflict, my issue is that I have an emotional connection to him and sometimes I have a hard time um, being able to use the same things I teach other people, unfortunately. So I think that what I've recognized just thinking about, um, I hope we can use this audio because you, you you really missing with all this stuff and like... You, Going in and out. I need you Finish to be, statement, please. I know, but I need you to be still. <laughs> right. um, one of the things that I have learned about myself is that it is very hard for me sometimes to practice what I preach. And I think what the biggest issue is, is that at work, in my day job, I exhaust a lot of energy. I exhaust a lot of patience being what I'm trying to help other people be. And sometimes when I get home, I'm tapped out. It's like a gas tank. We fill up our gas tank. That gas tank only holds so much fuel, right? And there comes a point where you've exhausted all the fuel and it has to be refilled. Well, for the clients or the demographics that I serve in my day job, a lot of them are not as, as stable. They require a lot of nurturing. They require a lot of patience. And a lot of energy. And so sometimes if I've had a day where I've engaged with someone, where I've given them a lot of patience, I've given them a lot of my time and energy. When I make it home to my husband and my kids, I have depleted my patience. I have depleted my energy. And so I'm a little bit more short-tempered because I'm also very type A. And it's like, I need you to do what I need you to do. I don't want a whole lot of back and forth. I need it done. Let's get it done. This is what I need. I don't have time for the... And I understand that. But sometimes I feel like I don't have time for pleasantries. So what I've recognized... Hold on. Hold on. No, just pleasantries, meaning being patient, being even temperate. And so what I've come to recognize is that in order for me to be able to prioritize my family and give my family the best of myself... I'm going to have to give up exhausting that energy, excuse me, in another area so that I have some of that energy stored up for my family. And so even though I love being a, a therapist, I love what I do in my day job, what I've come to recognize is that it does not leave me in the best emotional state when I come home because I've depleted so much energy on people who are not as important as the people in my household. So my main goal right now is to get you away from that day job. 
So, the use of you statements rather than I statements. I think this is very important. Um, oftentimes, when we get into arguments, we always see the other at fault. And sometimes, that's why I think it's important to take that break. Um, to actually sit back and you can come back and say, you know what? This is what I did. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel. Um, this is how I contributed to the issue. And not always say, you you did this and you did that and you did this. But hopefully, the other person will also do the same. So when you use I statements, it actually makes you think about what role you played in the situation um, rather than always blaming the other person. So think about that too when you're trying to have effective communication in marriage. Another barrier of communication is falling out of love. Um, People don't like to think about that, but falling out of love impairs the bond in your relationship. When you fall out of love with somebody, um, I've seen this on numerous occasions with uh, some of my clients, and just to hear them speak about their spouse um, in a way like they don't really care, kind of, it's, it's very hurtful. And not, and I'm kind of an empath, so when people talk about stuff like that, it kind of affects me a little bit. And I'm like, wow, like, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Um, And it can happen to the best of us. And that's one thing we have to realize that we are not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, huh? Oh, we are not um, shielded. From these things. Like these things can happen to us. Like the things we hear our friends going through. The things we hear our family going through. These things can happen to us. You may be deeply in, deeply in love with the person that you are with today. And 15 years later you find yourself in that place where you were listening to your friend being in that place. And you're like, oh my God, am I here? Hey Carla. Like, hey Carla. Like did I actually fall out of love with the person that I married? Or is this just like a a thing? Like, is this a phase that I'm going through? I think there's different levels to love, too. Like, the type of love I have for my husband is different from the love I have for my children. And that love for my children is different than, than the love I have for my mother. And that love is different from the love that I have for my best friend. You know? And so, I think what falling out of love sometimes look like is falling out of care or concern or regard, mm, right? Yeah. I think we can get to a point where we're so disconnected from the person that we're in a relationship with that we fall out of um, we fall out of concern or care or regard for that person. And so I think what we have to focus on when, when we're talking about marriage or a long-term committed relationship is that and you have to focus on what attracted you to that person what was it that you liked and just like when we go in job interviews and people ask us what our biggest weaknesses are a lot of times I will tell people my my greatest strengths are also my biggest weaknesses you know the fact that I am very strategic and methodical at work is a huge strength for me because I'm able to get tasks done. I'm able to have processes streamlined because I'm organized. Um, I don't like my time being wasted, so I try not to waste other people's time. So I tend to show up on time for meetings and things of that nature. But because I focus on efficiency, because I focus on being organized, It's also a weakness for me, right? And so I think a lot of times in our relationship, the thing that draws us to each other can be the thing that also repels us from one another. I would say in our relationship, I feel like um, one of the things that 
I feel like might have attracted Lamar, and I 100% sure to me, is that I'm my own person. I march to the beat of my own drum. I do me. Like, it, and I'm, I'm like, sometimes I flow with the wind. If I want to up and go to Mexico, I want to up and go to Mexico. Like, I can be very spontaneous. You know, there are times where I'm just super silly, right? But those are also some of the things that I think cause conflict in our relationship is that, you know, there are times when I want to do what I want to do. And I don't really care what he got going on. It's like, yeah, I ain't doing it. This is what I'm doing. Right? Which can be a source of conflict or contention in our relationship because the same thing that attracted to him to me is the same thing that upsets him when he's not in the space for it. Right? And so sometimes instead of focusing on the negative aspect or why that's not working for you at that time, we have to mm -hmm. remind ourselves you know what, even though this is annoying me right now, this is the reason that I really love this person because they go after what they want and it doesn't matter who is saying what they're saying or who's trying to um, hate on them. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I think that when we talk about staying in love or falling out of love, it has to do with fo focusing on what brought us together. Yeah, but I think like when people fall out of love, communication is non-existent because you just don't care. But you don't self -talk care. Self-talk don't ever go away. So you have to, so the, so to prevent that, is you have to do things to keep oh, to your love <laughs> life um, on fire. You have to do things to keep. Thank you. To keep your love life on fire you have to do things to spice it up every once in a while because it doesn't matter how bad you try to communicate with the other spouse um, once the love is gone I don't want to say it's gone forever but it I think that's where a lot of cheating comes into play when people feel like there's nothing else I have to say to this man I don't care what he or she does it's whatever you know and you don't want to get to that place in your marriage and then um or relationship. or relationship um so the best thing to do is keep it keep the fire burning um another hey Gwen. hey Gwen what's up another barrier to communication is being defensive so what that means is um when a person is seeking answer when a partner is seeking answers in a relationship being defensive can um, create a barrier to communication, especially depending on what type of defensive you are. You know, so if I ask a question and this thing you know, you coming at me like, why you always got to ask these questions? This it made me want to stop asking you questions. Right? It's like, why can I ask you a question? You're my spouse. You're my wife, you're my husband, or you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend. I should be able to ask you a question without you without you being defensive. What do you feel about that? I think that's true. I think this is where really being aware of your spouse's history also comes into play. Because I think sometimes we don't take into account if people have worked through past traumas or past, past issues. Mm -hmm. Um, like for instance, like I remember. <laughs> I hate to bring this up. Don't bring remember, it up. I remember when no me good. and Lamar was dating, and he was my sister had bought a new she grill. <laughs> he bought a new grill. Uh, she bought a new barbecue grill, and he asked. She asked him to help her put it together, and he put it together. And he studied the instructions, but he ended up putting on the legs. I put it on backwards. Backwards. Yeah. Right? And I didn't think anything of it. We was laughing after we figured out what happened because we couldn't figure out what was going on with it. Hey, um, Yvonne. Hey, Omar. Yvonne. Omar, what up, though? Um, and so me and my sister started laughing. And after we left the house... Like, I noticed that his mood changed. But after we left, he was really upset with me. And he was just, you know, basically saying he didn't like the fact that I laughed at him. 
for putting the barbecue grill together backwards. I didn't think anything <laughs> of it. Oh no, you left out a part though. So in this what? part you probably didn't remember. So my uh, wife was pregnant at the time and we were going through some issues before that. Um so um <laughs> she left all that out. But um so and she one. also left out the part when I asked her to help hold something. And she was like, No, I'm not helping you. Yes. I remember that. So I was like, I'm gonna put this grill together the way it is whatever way it get put together. <laughs> you uh, you don't wanna help? I got you. <laughs> okay, I don't remember any of that, but I, do. I don't remember any of that and it's probably because it didn't have an emotional impact on me and it might like have had it any... did with me. Yeah, and yes. it but what and this it was brought before up... we got married. That's like Yeah. Years ago. But what but... it brought up for him was Things that his dad used to say to him, you know, or statements that made him feel stupid. And that was the word that he used. And so I didn't think anything of it, laughing like, what in the world? Because we couldn't figure out. He kept trying to move it. And we couldn't figure out what was going what was going on. And me and my sister was dying laughing. It now, actually was just you. Because your sister was trying to figure out why you was laughing at me and didn't help. Oh Lord! Okay, hey, you brought it anyway, up. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it was just you. Okay, I was laughing. I was laughing to kill myself. Yeah. I was like, okay. "Hey, hold this." He was like, "Uh, uh-uh. no." I was like, but, "I don't um, remember." You must be mad at me about something. Probably we was having issues. But what I will say about it was when he brought up the feeling that it triggered inside of him, I would have never known it. That's that. right, Omar. What he say? <laughs> it was important for you to help. It was important for me for you to help. Yeah, so I'm not going to focus on that because we were still dating and it was a whole lot of stuff. And you brought it up. Yeah, I did bring it up, but I'm bringing that up just to focus on the part that my response triggered something that I was unaware of. Yeah. And so I think that, um, go back up to our point. I think that when we talk about people being defensive, we don't realize that sometimes if we say something in a certain manner, whether it's our tone, whether it's our face expression, um, the way that it was worded, it can trigger a feeling based on their past experience. Yeah. And so, if and that's something that I had to recognize within myself. And that's the importance of therapy, right? Um, sometimes we have things within ourselves that our spouses are not aware of. And sometimes we had to get over this stigma about going to have therapy or counseling because sometimes we need to be aware of all those issues that's in our tissues. Now, this going back to massage. I'm about to relate tissues all this. Tissues in y'all tissues. So, in, in massage, we bring up, we say there's issues in the tissues, meaning muscle tissues. All the emotions and stuff that we don't bring out physically or that we don't uh, take care of are stuck within our bodies. They're literally stuck within our bodies. So when something triggers that, that's it triggers an emotional response. Hey, not just catering. So um, triggering triggering that emotional response causes me to maybe lash out or maybe feel a certain way, and your spouse is not even aware of what happened. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're not aware of what happened until you dig a little bit deeper. Um, so you know it's very important that we we work on our mental health as well as our physical health. So we can get those issues out of our tissues. Ooh, that was deep. I'm good. I'm good. Somebody tune that on horn. But I think that is very, very important. And I think in a lot of relationships, um, like Omar said, Omar said, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. He has to work on that. And I think that is the case for us that a lot of times when something is not said in the right way, it triggers things. And even in our relationship, um, it can be things that are even positive. Sometimes we discount us saying positive things or trying to have positive engagement can trigger something bad. And an example I give is when I used to work at a psychiatric facility, when it came Christmas time, I was trying to get a particular kid to make a list of the top three things he wanted for Christmas. And he absolutely refused to do it. And I just couldn't understand. And I was like, look, Put whatever you want. If you want $200 pair of shoes, put those shoes on this piece of paper. And he refused to do it. And he was like, can I just put this down? I think it was like a gift card for like kids' footlocker. And what he was like, if if I get something, I'm just going to give it to my niece. 
Well, after the fact, when I came to him with a gift card that was specifically for him for Christmas to use on Christmas break, when he was visiting with his family, what he shared with me was that every Christmas he ended up being disappointed because his parents were not in a financial position to buy them Christmas presents. And so he stopped expecting things for Christmas. And so me trying to do something positive triggered a negative memory. So going to our relationship, I remember when we first got married, I Lamar wakes up and he's in a good mood. I'm not always in a good mood, pimp. Not always, but I'm not a morning person. I've never really been a morning person. I like for my morning to start with the lights being dim, for the house to be quiet, and I like to get stirring before I feel awake. When he get up, he want to dance, and he want to laugh and hug, and it would just agitate me. But it what it would trigger is when my dad used to wake me up when I was a little kid, he would always come and turn on the lights, start banging on the wall and yelling. And so all of his motion triggered a childhood memory of how I did not like to be, you know, walking up in the morning. And so, so I'm going to tell you about a conversation oh, I had with the kids in the morning. No, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> Shut me down, dog. <laughs> So, because we need to move on for real. But I'm saying that to say that sometimes even good intentions. What you said? Go ahead. (laughs) Sometimes even good intentions can trigger something bad. What did the kids say this morning? It better not be no foolishness either. No, like you was mad this morning. I was not mad. Okay. I just was tired. I was really tired. Which caused you to act? Short-tempered. Okay. And we we looked at that as being angry. And it was like everybody was trying to figure out what mama was mad about. And the kids was like, I think she's just frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's she frustrated for? You know, just waking up. You know, just, you know. But I understood that you were tired. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the perception that everybody else around you could see. You know, when they, literally, when they say that, um, what, how they say it? If the mom's not happy, nobody's happy. What's the saying? How happy say? wife, happy life. Yes, happy wife, happy life. Man, that is true. But anyway, the last well, barrier... See, that's what I'm coming. talking about with them little petty statements, though. I didn't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, last, <laughs> the last barrier of communication is lack of quality time spent together weakens the connection. Um, so, like we... Like Omar... Like Omar Myself, Tiffany, we're all business owners. And sometimes when you're a business owner, it's sometimes so hard to have quality time with your spouse. Um, Meaningful quality time where you're not always thinking about something else. You're not always thinking about something else you could be doing. You're not always thinking about um, an employee or whatever. Um, But just taking the time out to make sure that you are connected to your spouse. Now, we've been married 14 years. Right now, we're about to start another counseling session. And I said another counseling session because I want you guys to know the importance of actually um, maintenance for your marriage. Just like you, just like we went to get our car tuned up today, we got to get our marriage tuned up. Sometimes we fall out of balance. Sometimes things get so hectic in our lives that uh, we have to... To come back, sit back and be like, hey, you know what? I think we need to go seek some counseling because the way the moon and stuff is shining right now is bringing out the werewolves and vampires in both of us. Yeah, hey, Katanya. So so we we had to take that moment and we're about to start on this uh, counseling journey uh, coming up with a new therapist. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to it because I love going to therapy. I love learning about myself. I love learning about my spouse. I love the conversation. I love going deep with inside myself. And and I need somebody else to help me do that. And I, I actually like going to therapy. She don't. Because don't. they bring out the issues in her tissues. No, I don't think that's why. I don't like I don't like the feeling of vulnerability. Um and I will subject myself to it. Because I realize as a therapist, I'm always on the other end of it. But I really don't. Like, I'm one of those people who hate crying. I don't like to be tickled. I don't like anything where I feel like I have to relinquish control. 
And I, I recognize where a lot of that comes from. You know, I recognize me even being a type A personality where that comes from. And so you always have to be in control. I always have to be in control. I don't like, like heights. Literally, guys, I don't like heights. If I'm tickling her, I get she's angry. laughing and angry at the same time. <laughs> And I'm confused because I'm like, she's laughing, so I'm going to continue because she's laughing. But and I I'm, might And I'm thinking she's happy, but then she starts throwing elbows and punches. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, you really want me to stop? Yeah. You know, she, if she would get mad at me, I was like, okay. I hate being tickled. I hate being tickled. But I recognize that. That's I'm, right, Nicole. It's just, therapy is a tune-up. Yeah, it is a tune-up. And we have been to therapy before. And I think the benefit for me, too, is I feel like I go through therapy constantly because, for one, the friends that I've surrounded in my life are not amen corner friends. But I, me being a therapist, I have also therapist friends, and I can say, okay, I need one of those therapy moments. I need to be able to talk to you about something. And they're honest with me, and this is what it sounds like I'm hearing you say. This is what it sounds like you're doing. Sometimes it helped me, and sometimes it don't. And sometimes I just be like, I don't even want, I don't even want no feedback. I just need you to listen so I can get this mess off my chest. Um, so Erica made a book suggestion, and I'm going to share it with you guys. It's called The Honeymoon Effect by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And we're going to kind of wrap up this podcast. No, you just cut me off. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Yeah, we are going to wrap up this podcast. I knew you. <laughs> but... I'm, I, you know, made me forget my, my, my train of thought. Oh, so when it comes to therapy, I do think therapy is good and I think you should be open. But I also think that if you are opposed to therapy, you really have to do some self-assessment because you can't require your partner or your spouse to want to um, change or take ownership of whatever faults or areas of weaknesses that they have, and you're not willing to do the same thing. And a lot of times what therapy does is, a lot of times people think that therapists are in there telling you what to do or giving you advice, but therapists, as a therapist, our main role is to listen to what you are saying and basically relay that back to you. This is what I hear you saying, and this is what I hear um and this is what I think that you're saying you want to do. So it's basically someone to listen and translate your own emotions back to you. And mm. when you're in a family or a, a marriage counseling setting, it's basically to listen to all the parties, to hear what they're saying and help the other person Point hear what the they're saying. So it's to too. translate what that person you're connected to is trying to communicate to you and then help you guys kind of have a meeting of the mind or some type of compromise so that you're able to move forward in your relationship. And I'm going to leave y'all with this. Like one of my, my mentor told me, sometimes we think we can fix ourselves, but if I've only learned that two plus two equals four and I'm trying to figure out how can I get more than four with my brain and that's the only level that the only height of my my brain has been to. How can I get there? Sometimes we need somebody on the outside looking in that's on a higher level of consciousness to help us see things in ourselves that we don't see. So um, just keep that in mind. Can I add um, to that? Yeah. I, I also think that what therapy does for us is, I mean, I'm going to use your analogy, is sometimes that we think the only way you can get to four is by adding two plus two. But reality, yeah. you can add one plus three or three plus one. Facts. And so a lot of times when you go to therapy, I feel like me and Lamar's problem is we're both saying that we want to get to four, but I'm saying two plus two and he's saying one plus three. And what we are both saying is that we want to accomplish or get the same sum, but we're using a different equation to get there and we can't understand how the other person's equation gives them the same sum. Right. And so Man, that was deep. Girl. I mean girl. Come on, see? We we friends, we friends like that. She be calling me girl like Sometimes he my William. And anybody y'all watch girlfriends, y'all know what that means. So nah, um, hey Teresa. <laughs> I'm so much cooler than William. He is so um, much cooler than William. All right guys. It's it's been a really good conversation. Yeah. Um one thing I wanna um ask you guys to do is Take a. I want this is an exercise. I want you to go and look in the mirror and look into your eyes 
If you have any questions, seek therapy. If they had a question about what's in the ass. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. But try it out. Because you're going to be like, what? That don't make sense. But it works. Go in the mirror. Look at yourself. And what you will find, too, that some people can't even do it. And if you can't even do it, you need to seek therapy. If they can't look at themselves in the mirror. Some people cannot stare at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. So try it out. It's an exercise to try out. But in the meantime, guys, it was a joy speaking to you all. I really like the Facebook interaction along with the podcast recording. What you think? I did too, but I think you just need to learn to be still because all this new equipment. I'm, I'm pretty she go sure. Being bossy. I'm pretty sure there's some gaps in our podcast. So if y'all download the podcast, just bear with us. Hey, it that's my job. My job is to make sure the podcast has good sound quality. So that's why you need a type A person on your team. Yes, that's All right, y'all. Type a. So until next time, live your best life. Living through your stress life. Peace. Peace.